Welcome to Tower Talks with Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast. And now for your weekly recap, a timely review of this week's top headlines and takeaways. Here's your host. Welcome to Inside Towers Week in Review. I'm Leslie Stimson, Inside Towers Washington Bureau Chief. With me are John Celentano, our business editor, Jim Fryer, our managing editor, and Sharp Smith, our technology editor. This episode is sponsored by Inside Towers Intelligence, a quarterly market report that dives deep into the wireless infrastructure ecosystem. It looks at market trends, capital expenditures, relevant M&A transactions, and more. Intelligence is designed for managers, marketers, and investors. Our Q3 issue will be out soon. An annual subscription also includes an exclusive briefing and online support. For more information or to subscribe, visit insidetowers.com intelligence. And John, you have our first story today. Uh, thanks, Leslie. Uh, this is uh, an interesting um, situation. Property owner is uh, pushing back on a, on a carrier to allow them access to antennas that they've already installed on a building. Um, in a civil suit that's been filed in the District Court of New Jersey uh, by one of its subsidiaries, T-Mobile is uh, seeking injunctive relief from a building owner, uh, 390 George Street Associates uh, for its refusal to let uh, T-Mobile perform needed modifications to its equipment installed on the rooftop building that Fenton owns in uh, New Brunswick, New Jersey. Uh, T-Mobile is being denied, even though the the two parties have a long-established lease dating back to 1997 that allows for such modifications. Uh, T-Mobile claims that the defendant is unreasonably denying access to the site and creating conditions to prevent T-Mobile from making site modifications by imposing arbitrary demands that go beyond anything ever agreed to in the lease. Landlord is saying that um, the changes that T-Mobile is asking for, um, uh, they cannot make. And and on top of that, they want T-Mobile to remove the RF warning signage that's usually installed or attached to a site when you have rooftop equipment. Plus, they want T-Mobile to do RF emissions testing on a nearby building that the, the, the uh, landlord owns, but on which T-Mobile has no equipment. So it's uh, an interesting uh, pushback between the two parties. T-Mobile think it's, thinks it's within its rights to expressly uh, modify and improve its uh, facility uh, from time to time on, on the rooftop. And uh, for some reason, the uh, landlord is raising uh, objections that T-Mobile considers unreasonable and unfounded. And so they're, they're in court. And the court is hearing arguments on both sides now, and uh, uh, we'll uh, stay tuned to see what the, uh, the outcome uh, is on this one. Thank you, John. And Sharp, that brings us to a carrier story from you. Yes, Leslie. Uh, the, uh, you would think that with the, the delay and the C-band deployments that uh, perhaps the, the carriers might be uh, uh, having trouble meeting their goals for, uh, for build-out for 2021. But uh, uh, Verizon announced this week that uh, they've exceeded their year-end target of uh, 14,000 new 5G ultra-wideband cell sites, providing uh, cell service to 87 cities 
uh, and including 5G home to parts of uh, 65 cities and 5G business internet to uh, uh, parts of 62 cities. So that was good news from them. And uh, I uh, took a look around and uh, noticed that AT&T met their uh, 2021 uh, coverage goals uh, back in July, uh, which uh, included 250 million people uh, being covered by uh, their 5G plus. And uh, that's covering 39 cities, 20 venues, and, uh, uh, and so they, uh, they seem to be doing pretty well. Uh, in November, uh, T-Mobile, uh, which is not demanded, uh, dependent on the C-band auction for uh, mid-band spectrum, uh, it had reached its 2021 goal of covering 200 million people nationwide with its ultra-capacity 5G. So the, uh, so the build-outs seem to be going on uh, at pace. Uh, and uh, it's kind of interesting at the end of the year to see how how uh, how well they did compared to what uh, what they wanted to, um, but uh, they also threw in uh, a little bit of uh, forward looking uh, information as to you know what what uh, what their networks are going to look like when they do get to use the C band, and. Uh, they're already aggressively testing and preparing the network, uh, according to uh, Mo Ketabe, who's a senior vice president of network uh, infrastructure and build for AT&T. And uh, Verizon also said that it is working diligently uh, securing uh, agreements and tower partners, and uh, it plans to be uh, ready to go with uh, 5G uh, in the C-band in the first quarter of 2022. So what's gonna happen when all this gets rolled out? Well, really fast speeds. Uh, according to Root Metrics, T-Mobile has uh, exceeded 100 megabytes per second, uh, hitting 100, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 100 megabytes per second in 21 cities and 200 megabytes per second in four. And uh, uh, AT&T is looking at uh, uh, hitting about 118.7 megabytes per second. Verizon is, uh, they're talking about speeds of about uh, 1.5 gig and three gig, uh, all depending on whether they're using 100 megahertz uh, channel or 200 megahertz channels. So, uh, uh, I'd say uh, the build-out looks good for 2021, and uh, uh, next year, we're going to be talking speed. Thank you, Sharp. Speaking of C-band, New Street Research telecom analysts believe recent statements by the FCC and FAA give them more confidence the carriers will begin transmitting 5G on C-band in January. New Street policy advisor Blair Levin Readers may remember him. He was chief of staff under former FCC chairman Reed Hunt, the chairman who implemented the Telecom Act. That was done in six-month implements. 
Levin said in a client note this week that analysts interpret last week's FAA statements as the agency stepping away from the threat of a broad shutdown of flights once AT&T and Verizon begin 5G operations. The FAA said it believes 5G and aviation will safely coexist. It issued two airworthiness directives to gather more information to avoid potential effects on aviation safety equipment. The FAA also noted that it's working with the FCC and wireless companies, and they've made progress. New Street believes the risk of a major delay in delivering 5G services is abating. Levin wrote, while the FAA is far from saying that everything is all right, its tone is far more optimistic about resolving the issues. And that brings us to a story from you, Jim. Yes, this one, it's, it's not always about uh, what's happening in telecom, but what, sometimes it's what's happening to telecom. And this was uh, uh, the horrible storms we, we got through uh, the Midwest uh, this past week, uh, particularly through Kentucky, uh, where a tornado came through and, and basically uh, caused tremendous devastation. And there could be as many as 80 people that were killed in this, this terrible, terrible uh, storm uh, that, that swept through. One of, one of the suppliers out there for the telecom industry, Drake Lighting, well known by, by all of us out there, uh, suppliers of lighting to the, uh, to the telecom market, uh, their headquarters is in Mayfield, Kentucky. And uh, it was totally, totally devastated by this. And uh, fortunately, nobody was hurt or killed with, with Drake. Uh, but as, as I said, there were fatalities, though, in the in the community uh, around that area. Please consider donating to the Red Cross to uh, to support all the uh, all the damage that was done uh, throughout Kentucky and, and the Midwest. And that brings us to another FCC story. They had a meeting uh, last week. The FCC is receiving more satellite broadband applications than it ever has, and they voted for zero last Tuesday to update the rules for spectrum sharing among non-geostationary satellite orbit fixed satellite service systems, NGSOFSS. The new generation of low earth orbit satellite systems can provide broadband services with higher speeds and lower latency than previous satellite broadband offerings. The International Bureau initiates processing rounds during which applications are considered together on an equal basis right now. The new proposal would establish rules to protect systems approved in earlier rounds while facilitating greater competition. During the vote, FCC Commissioner Brendan Carr called the proposals a game changer, but said they're also disruptive and beneficial for consumers. I'm glad that we are taking a look at how we can streamline and modernize our regulatory approaches to accommodate this big influx and interest in getting up into low Earth orbit, he said. FCC Chairwoman Jessica Rosenworcel listed several actions the agency has taken this year concerning satellites. Um, She said, the rush to develop these new space opportunities requires new rules that keep competition and innovation front of mind. 
And basically, the FCC wants to create a level playing field for new competitors. That's why it's proposing all this. And that leads us back to you, Sharp, for a story on uh, a wireless integrator. Yes, um, it's been top of the uh, top of the news lately with the supply chain uh, issues and and troubles at the ports uh, and uh, the. Uh, the integrator in, in, uh, on the story is a company called Buckeye Mountain. And uh, they, uh, they announced that they've integrated Cambian Network's uh, fixed wireless and outdoor Wi-Fi technology into its lineup of uh, solutions uh, that are directed at uh, railroad and, uh, and port, uh, uh, the port industries. And uh, it's, they say after deploying fixed wireless and Wi-Fi technology, uh, a port will experience consistent con connectivity and higher data throughput. And um, the the thing about this is that uh, the the ports are only as big as they're going to get for a while. So they just have to be. Uh, they have to be more efficient. And uh, uh, earlier this year, uh, Ericsson released a report uh, called Connected Ports, a Guide to Making Ports Smarter with Private Cellular Technology. And it talked about how, just how much data the, uh, the ports create with, uh, from their cranes and their gantries and uh, uh, how they can be more efficient with automated guided vehicles and uh, using uh, perhaps using drones and uh, uh, they lined out a whole a whole uh, real a whole program of how how a, a port can uh, become more efficient and also uh, get a return on their investment of it's at 178 percent within five years so the the problems are uh, are going to be there for a while but uh the story basically points to the solutions that wireless uh, telecommunications can uh, uh can provide okay john that brings us back to you for a story about a new tower co uh, yes, Leslie, our friends at Digital Bridge have taken another step to add to their digital infrastructure portfolio. Uh, this week, Digital Bridge announced the, uh, that the funds affiliated with the Digital Bridge Investment Management, uh, the firm's investment management platform, have completed the combined acquisition of two of Iceland's largest tower portfolios from SIN and Nova, the leading Icelandic mobile network operators, to create a new company called Islands Turnar. Islands Turnar is the first independent tower company of scale in Iceland with national coverage to support the two mobile network operators as they execute their 5G deployment plans. SIN and Nova will be the uh, long-term dual anchor tenants on all of Islands Turnar's towers. The transactions includes a material build-a-suit program. Uh, the company did not disclose financial terms of the transactions or the existing and projected tower accounts. Uh, this investment advances Digital Bridges expanding presence in the Nordics. In 2018, the firm acquired Digita Oi, 
an independent tower operator based in Finland. At the end of the third quarter um, 2021, Digital Bridge reported that Digita had a national portfolio of 300 active towers and about 2,400 total sites that include micro data centers and IoT sites. So Digital Bridge continues on its uh, mission to build its digital infrastructure portfolio. And uh, we continue to watch with interest. And John, you have another story for us. Dish and Freedom Thigh. Uh, yes, Dish uh, continues to uh, expand its reach into wireless networking. Uh, Dish and a company called Freedom Fi, which is an open 5G networking company, will collaborate on a pilot program that's intended to provide Dish's current and future wireless customers with access to what the company's claim is the world's first community-driven neutral host CBRS hotspot network. That's a mouthful. Uh, this collaboration extends Dish's position that the next generation of wireless network can be cloud-native open source platforms uh, leveraging um, uh, open RAN architecture. The uh, open source platforms uh, will enable innovation among developers to create novel apps and communication services and deliver, to deliver these in shorter time to market cycles. DISH says that the collaboration with Freedom5 will encourage individuals and communities to take part in their connectivity future. So that's an interesting development that's aside from DISH's 5G network build out, but uh, it does have um, uh, some complementary aspects to it, and, and DISH has a separate uh, organization that looks at uh, um, uh, you know, wireless innovation. Uh, so we'll continue to watch this as well. And Jim, that brings us to you to wrap it up. Uh, yes, Leslie, um, the, the, the coming merger of big tech and, and telecom is, is for real. And uh, we've been reporting on evidence of this uh, certainly over the past year, and we're seeing more of it now. Uh, lately, uh, just this past week, Google and Verizon have announced they have teamed up to bring the power of the cloud closer to mobile and connected devices. And this is going to use Verizon's network and support real-time enterprise applications. Uh, the, so Verizon's 5G Edge, as they, they call it, will use the Google distributed cloud edges, compute and storage services. And that will enable bandwidth and low latency to support mobile robots, intelligent logistics, factory automation across industries like retail and manufacturing. So the goal here is to allow businesses to, to gain operational efficiencies, higher levels of security, reliability, productivity, all those good things that uh, 5G is supposed to bring and, and that IO is supposed to bring. Um, and, and so Verizon and Google Cloud plan to develop public 5G mobile edge computing to developers and enterprises and uh, their projecting this solution will enable the building and deployment of applications in, in various locations throughout the US. Uh, the uh, head of Ericsson North America, a man by the name of Nicholas Heveldop, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, Nicholas, my apologies if you're listening, um, said that Ericsson's smart factory is where we're putting the principles of the fourth industrial revolution into action. He said, testing this technology with autonomous mobile robots in our smart factory is an important step 
on the journey to the factory of the future. There you have it. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Inside Towers Week in Review. This is the last episode of the year. We'll see you again in January. Have a great holiday. Thank you for listening to Tower Talks. To subscribe to our podcast, our daily newsletter, or use our other industry resources, please visit InsideTowers.com. Until next time, you've been listening to Tower Talks from Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast.